Amen. God has been faithful, and of course we rejoice over that today. It is our privilege today to have a guest speaker with us, and we could have had just about anyone come and share. There have been some great pastors. We could have called any of those individuals. Uh, we've had, actually, we've got a great team of ministers that are here today. Uh, I will tell you that uh, all of the things that have taken place today, I feel like I've been a little bit of a slacker because other people have stepped up to the plate and they've made things happen. I'm very, very grateful, uh, grateful for all of those who have uh, helped to serve today. So there are plenty of people we could have had come up. Uh, we have an individual who is with us today. He is the district superintendent in the Florida District of the Wesleyan Church, uh, but he was a part of this church first, and it is a privilege to have Patrick and Sherry with us. Patrick, would you come and share with us this morning? Would you make him feel welcome? I need a second just to be able to look around. I've seen so many faces and tried to figure out who some of you are. I could tell you this, some of us have matured a little over the last 20 some years, but it's neat to see that I can still see you at that same age because I've seen a lot of your kids here leading and serving. And it's awesome uh, to, be able to, to be able to see that. Well, it's an honor and privilege to be here in this special homecoming service that you're celebrating 100 years. It is, uh, also just want to say thanks to Pastor Mike um, for the invitation. I tend to uh, sometimes hold back, um, but uh, in this time I... I knew that uh, I felt God wanted us here for some reason. My wife, Sherry, has mentioned uh, she's on the front, and it's good to see some of her best friends sitting with her. How's it feel to be up front? Yeah. <laughs> Usually, Troy and Debbie are way back there. <clears throat> well, Sherry's uh, really excited to be here as well. We're so humbled to be able to share this morning with you. Uh, we want you to know, church, we love you, and we thank you for all your prayers over the years and how you've encouraged us. For those of you may, who may not have attended back in the 80s or even in the early to mid-90s, uh, our family was here during two different spells, and we had our little ones, and uh, they were just starting to grow up here, and the foundation, I guess you would say, for our family was established as a result of this church. I can remember programs that they were in, one that we did multiple times over in the future as we were in ministry, uh, <clears throat> called Dr. Newhart, uh, that they were a part of, and maybe you remember some of those things as well. Uh, it is just so cool to be able to be back, and my mind just keeps racing to so many thoughts, so many memories, and you know, today is part about the past. It's about celebrating. It's about remembering, because if we don't remember our past, we're not going to get to where God wants us to go next. So I remember when Reverend Wiggins uh, shared something in a message just 
months before he was going to be leaving this church and, and uh, becoming the district superintendent of the Georgia district, about how he was disappointed that he hadn't seen more people called to ministry through the time that he was here in his ministry. And that morning, I felt God's call. I remember how the incredible things would take place during the services. Sometimes it wasn't the preaching. It was the, the pastor would just know that the Spirit was here and would move aside and let God do whatever God wanted to do. And the incredible things in and through this church. See, we came from a great church called Trinity. You sent us out. We've tried to do what God's called us to do through the years. You know, back then, and I'm still sure it's true today, there's many missionaries that made up, retired missionaries, made up this church. And this morning in Sunday school class, I heard of new missionaries going out from this church. Kids. Kids. Back in the day, there was many retired pastors, and I can see many are still here today. And some of the young ones have gone out to pastor from this church. Then I was in a Sunday school class that uh, I guess I left in good hands because he's been there for 22 years doing it. And uh, Troy, amazing. God uses you in such an incredible way. You are a pillar, you and Debbie, for this church, this younger generation that's coming along. As we heard in the dedication, the little ones are watching. They have good people to watch, really good people to watch. And that is awesome. Well, whether it's missionaries or pastors or great lay leaders, I'll tell you this. This church is a wonderful incubator for people that want to mature in their faith. Ones that want to come along. Ones that want to go all the way. And even some that are called to full-time ministry. Well, I owe a debt to many of you, and I say thank you today. Thank you for being that those people that were the encouragement to me as I was called. I'll never forget uh, moments of, of uh, coming down from speaking and being surrounded by folks that just said things that you wouldn't think you would hear, at least not in life, but probably the afterlife type of thing. And I, I remember thinking, why are they saying these things? And it scared me. But it's those people that encourage you, that bring you along, that help you to see maybe what God sees in you, but you don't see in yourself. I'd be really amiss here if I didn't call out just a couple of names. And the first is the one who I consider my pastor still today, uh, Reverend Wiggins. Thank you for allowing God to use you in my life. It's such a blessing. You have been a father figure, spiritual father in every way, best model, and uh, Mrs. Wiggins as well. I remember when we were in your home 
as newlyweds with other newlywed couples and how you encourage us in our faith to walk. I also had a mentor here, Reverend W.D. James. He may no longer be with us, but he is. And don't, don't, us, don't, don't any of us forget his model, his approach, his life. And uh, Mrs. James, uh, I knew uh, without you texting me yesterday, I knew you were praying. I knew that she was expecting God to move here today. And uh, church, that's what it's about. God has things in mind. And there's some that maybe have it dialed in a little bit closer, you know. They know how to reach heaven. <clears throat> and those folks do. I know my wife is one of those. And I, I know even when we were back here, young, she knew that <clears throat> there, Reverend Wiggins had that ability. He could just dial up and there it was. And, and <clears throat> see, we walked into this church one morning after he asked me to speak uh, and give I thought what was supposed to be my testimony, and, and I was so nervous, and, and uh, she knew it, and uh, he pulled me aside back there in the little offering room. I don't know if it's the offering room anymore, and, and he said, let's pray. Well, it didn't help at the moment, <clears throat> but when we got up here, and I was out of what to think and uh, what to say anymore to God, and there it was. It was time when I got up. The Holy Spirit was there. See, I'll never forget the incredible things that God has done here. Because he's done them, yes, among all of us. But he's done them in me. And so thank you for the opportunity to grow among you. Now this morning I'd like to share with you about how to move forward in faith, because there's a past and a present, as Buddy has reminded us, and a future. The past is great. The present looks pretty good. But how do we move forward? You know, everybody at one time or another has been afraid to take the next step with God. And although we've heard many, many times that God loves us and has a wonderful plan for our lives... We still find ourselves dragging our feet in fear instead of marching forward in faith. What are the fears that stop us from moving forward in our faith? I'm going to give you three basic fears that we all have. The first, if you're a note taker, it's in your notes, the fear of failure. The fear of failure causes worry, tension, stress embarrassment, and even panic. Why is it such a big fear? I think it's because our society places such an emphasis on success. And if you don't match their idea of success, then we're seen as a failure or a nobody. And how others see you and how you stand up to the pressure of that test is a test of your character. See... Don't worry about what others think of you, because success and failure is not important to how others view it. It's important to how God views it. 
So if you're stepping out with God, you're really a success. So first, we fear, fear failure. Secondly, we fear standing alone. I can tell you, my mother was here this morning, and I tried to introduce her in some way and call her up. She would literally kill me after the service. She does not like to be in front of people. Uh, and she doesn't like to feel alone. She likes to have a lot of people around her. And we all want to have others stand with us in the battles of life. But sometimes God, well, he allows us to stand alone, to set our feet firmly on the ground. And we just need to learn that there will be those times that God expects us to stand without others standing with us. And so secondly, we fear standing alone. The third is the fear of the unknown. We never, want to, we never know what's around the corners of life. We can't see what's going to happen next. And this causes all kinds of anxiety for us. It's kind of like a thousand-piece puzzle. Just think about life like a thousand-piece puzzle. You got the box top. And so you put it together based upon seeing the picture, right? Here's the problem. In our lives, in the pieces, God doesn't give us the box top. We don't see the big picture of where our life is going. We only have pieces. And it's, it's what brings anxiety to our lives. Where does this next piece go? What do we do? And so we fear that if all things don't fall into place, we fear what might happen to us. And so sometimes we have a fear of the future, which is really the fear of the unknown. Now, we have these fears, and we can react in two different ways. The one way is to become a coward. Nobody wants to be a coward, but sometimes we don't realize how easy it is to make the wrong choice. The second is to face our fears with faith. And the Bible says the faith drives out fear. And so I ask you this morning, what are the steps that we need to take to overcome fear? Because I don't think there's a person in this room that would say that I don't want to move forward with God into my future that he has for me. We all want that. What are the steps to overcoming fear so that we can? Well, there are five steps that you can take in overcoming fear of moving forward. And it's found in our scripture reading this, uh, this morning, in our text. And I'm going to key in on those and sort of pick up on where we ended with the scripture reading itself, where the king basically says... What God can rescue you from my hand, right? And don't we ask that question in life? I mean, the world asks it, just like the king. And I think we ask it as well as Christian people. Can God rescue me from the king? 
Well, here are the steps you can take in overcoming the fear of moving forward with God in faith. First, stop defending and start doing what God has already told you to do. What God has made clear to you in his word, you need to do it. Don't sit around wondering about it or defending what God has said to you. Just do it. We need to act quickly because God expects obedience from his children. If God tells you to do something that seems crazy in the eyes of worldly people, he doesn't say, stop, see which way the wind's blowing, or take a poll like the politicians, which we know don't work anyway. He says, do it. Move forward with him in faith. Daniel chapter 3, there's a story about three guys who faced their fear. Their names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys were faced with King Nebuchadnezzar's decree that said they must bow down to the idol or they would be killed. And I want you to notice how they respond to the king's demand found in Daniel 3, 16. Uh, by the way, I like to relate this to John 3, 16. And you get it if you think of the whole picture of Daniel 3. It's kind of cool how God saves. But it says, Daniel, if you have your Bibles, Daniel 3.16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this manner. The phrase, we do not need to defend ourselves. Notice, they understood what God wanted them to do. There wasn't a question in their mind. They knew that God had said not to bow down to idols or to other gods, and so it was a big deal to them to stand up and walk in God's way. And the first step to overcoming the fear of moving forward in your faith is stop defending yourself with others and start doing what God has already said. The second step you must take in overcoming the fear of moving forward is Believe God is able to save you from your greatest fears. Um, I'm always amazed how God does things, but did you notice the last song that was the highlight of this morning? It ties into everything in this scripture. Are you walking through the fires of life? Have you had God's power? Don't know the words, I'm not repeating them, but have you seen him rescue you, save you? been there for you. It's amazing how God puts those things together. But here we find Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say to the king in Daniel 3.17, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. Is able. He is able, church, do you believe that this morning? Amen. God is able to save us. <clears throat> well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego believed that their God was bigger than all their problems. They believed the God of creation, the God who created all things, the God who created mankind was surely able to save them from their situation. And we know that our God in which we serve, he's bigger than all life circumstances. And we know that he has us in his hands. We know that he's the one who gives life 
and knows when our life is up. And so we should be able to believe without any problem that he's able to save us. And believing God is able to save you from your greatest fear is step number two in moving forward in your faith. But how about step number three? Trust that God will do what's best in your life. I believe this is where the rubber meets the road. I think most of us as Christian people, we understand what God says. And we know we're supposed to get to it. We understand that God is able to save us from our greatest fears. I don't think that's the problem. The rubber meets the road in the fact that we're not sure if we believe that God will do what's best for us. Right? We question that sometimes. Or we doubt that. Does God I really understand everything that's going on? And in Daniel 3, 17 to 18, it continues by saying this. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Did you get it? He will rescue us. But even if he does not. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego placed their lives into God's hands. They didn't know what God would do. But they did believe he would do what is best. And so they stood their ground with the king because they believed God was able to save them and trusted that he would do what was best for them. Let me ask you a question. Who knows better? You, the one who can't see the future, we don't have a box top, and even fears the future or the unknown, or God who knows all things and does what's best. Not even close. And so the third step we must take in overcoming the fear of moving forward with God is to trust God that he will do what's best in our lives. And then the fourth step you must take in overcoming the fear of moving forward is act upon what you say you believe. Listen to how the story develops with these guys in Daniel 3, 19 to 24. It says that Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. And so these men wearing the robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the burning furnace. It's easy to say, I trust God. It's easy to say, I rely on his strength. It's easy to say, God will take care of me. It's a little harder to actually act upon it. We need to do what we say we believe. And I love the phrase, where God guides, God always provides. 
Do you believe that? Well, I believed it when I left this church to enter ministry 22 years ago. And God has proved himself over all those years. He is able and he does do what is best. Many times we just want God to do things for us without us getting involved in the situation. But the fact of the matter is he looks for us to do our part, to get involved. We need to be faithful to take care of those things that we can and pray and allow him to do the things that we can't. It is his church. It is his people. He can do what he wants done. Well, we got to do our part and try to trust God for the rest. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, they were just where God wanted them to be. You know, church, sometimes we don't get the picture real well. But I think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were just about like I am here. They had their feet dangling over the edge of a fiery furnace. And they weren't comfortable, I'm sure. But they were just where God wanted them to be because in that spot they could not help themselves God had to do what only God could do and that's when God does those things that amaze us see the more we trust him the more courageous in life we become because we start acting on what we say we believe it's like the old hymn. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Do you find yourself restless this morning? I ask you the question, are you trusting and are you obeying? Because when a person's at peace... When you're at peace with God, what's happening in life, you're happy. Not like the world, but it's something inside that you know, that you know, that maybe no one else knows that you know. God has you. God has you. And I know that somebody maybe this morning God's talking to. And he's saying, you know, it's time to stop talking. And it's time to start walking. And so forthly, we must trust and we must act upon what we say we believe. The final step you must take in overcoming the fear of moving forward is this. Have confidence that you won't be alone in the fires of life. Look at what happens to these guys in Daniel 3, 24 and 25. It says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement, asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, O king. He said, Well, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Can you feel the king's shock? 
You know, a number of years ago, when we found ourselves in the first Iraq war, we as Americans saw something on TV that we had never seen before. War. Right in our living rooms. On the television set. They would show us these precision bombs that they would drop. And it looked like to me, I don't know about you, but it looked like it, they, they went right down the chimney of these buildings and then boom, and you know. CNN, back in the day, coined the phrase, I'm not sure who it might have been that said it, but it was shock and awe. Now, let me tell you, it's a matter of perspective. Here, as I watched, I was in awe of what I was watching. Wow, how could this happen? I mean, it's incredible, the precision of our military and these bombs. But on the other side, I'm sure that they were in shock on how these bombs could be dropped in their neighborhoods. Shock and all. I relate that to our scripture reading this morning. That's exactly where the king finds himself. He's in shock and all of what's happening right before his eyes. I mean, he calls out to his folks and he says, hey, is my arithmetic right? Didn't we send three guys into that blazing furnace? And he says, surely, O king. Well, I count four. And then he says, and the fourth looks like the son of the God. You know, the king found out that he was in the presence of the supernatural that day. He was right in what he was seeing. But it didn't change the fact that he was in shock over what he was seeing and in awe. But it did do something for him. And that's uh, a very cool thing. What did it do? It made him change. He changed the way he thought. He changed the, the, the things that he said and how he acted. And that's an interesting thing since he was the king. And I think, folks, this morning we got to understand first, God is a God of miracles. He can rescue us from that fiery furnace, whatever we're facing and struggling with in life. And if we're going through a storm in life, God will be there for us. He will get us through. We're coming up short in some way, whatever that may be. But I ask you, church, which is the greatest miracle? Think about this. Is it that those guys walked into the furnace 
and we're still alive? Or is it that God walked with them in the furnace and brought them out the other side and they didn't have a singed part on their body? Was it that he saved them or was it that he did something that they had never, ever seen before and how he was right there with them through it all? I'm here to tell you, I'm not sure if God is going to do the miracle in your life. I'm not sure where he's going to take you. I'm not sure if, if, if your feet are on the edge, if you're going to go across and it's going to be over. But what I'm absolutely sure of, and what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was absolutely sure of, is that God would be with them and that he would do what's best. And so when they got pushed from the edge in, they were okay. And I'm here to tell you, if you're not on the edge, get on the edge. Because it's when you're on the edge, when you're wondering what God's going to do, the thing is, you have the chance, the opportunity to take the step off the edge and walk with God. And there is no better place to be than to take that step off and to know, wow, God's there. God's there. And when you experience him in that kind of way, there's no going back. It becomes the stake that you put in the ground that you remember and you say, God showed himself. I felt his presence. I experienced him. He got me through. I'm past that fire. I might be facing another one, but he has shown me how he can get me through before. So no matter what you're going through, you can be courageous because God is with you. And when you know without a shadow of a doubt that God is on your side, your courage grows by the second. Now, what will the results be of moving forward with God in faith? I got two of them for you this morning. And the first is God is glorified. Notice it says in verse 26, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Servants of the Most High God. That's kind of cool. He didn't see it that way in the beginning, remember? See, the king paid honor to God. He forgot about his God and focused on the one true God. And when we move forward with God in faith, people see the miracles that God does in and around our lives, and they, too, can begin to worship Almighty God themselves. 
You remember the decree that the king uh, had made in the beginning that caused this whole problem? Look what he does now. The king says in verse 29, I decree that the people of any nation or language or who say anything against God, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. Let's do the full circle. Back to verse 15. When the king said, who will be able to save you or rescue you from my hand? Well, the king found his answer. And in getting the answer, it totally changed how he went about things. And he called others to change as well. Why? Because three men were willing to step out, to step beyond what they had already known. They were willing to trust God in the unknown. And so God was glorified. Now, not only is God glorified when you move forward in faith, but also you tend to gain influence with others. Look what it says in verse 30. It says, then king, the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the providence of Babylon. Did you catch it? They got promoted. Okay, church. Imagine this. Tomorrow morning, you go into work. And when you show up, your boss calls you into his office and he says, I got to talk to you. And you sit down all nervous, wondering what's going to happen next. And what he says is, I'm promoting you. And you think to yourself, woo, I'm getting promoted. And you know, a lot of things come with getting promoted and all. And you think about all those things. And when it's all said and done, you, and it might not even be all said and done because you guys are really good at this pushing the button stuff. But if you don't do that while he's talking to you, you get out of that office that you're in. And then all of a sudden... On the phone you go, and you're speaking to your spouse, and you're saying, guess what happened? I got promoted today. We're going out. We're going to pick it. You know, we're going to the nicest restaurant in the area. Now, I don't know what that is today, but I think Pixie and Bill's is still around, so that's one good one. Uh, and, and so there you go. And you celebrate what God has done in your life. You know, that very thing actually happened here. You remember? I was in Greenville working. And uh, I came to Reverend Wiggins and I said, uh, I sure like to be more involved through the week here at the church, do different things. But I have a problem driving from Greenville all the way here and there's a big gap between the times to get here. He says, well, are there any other offices close for the company I work for? And I said, well, yeah, there's uh, one in Anderson. He goes, well, let's pray that you get transferred there. No, I said, Reverend Wiggins, you don't understand. The guy that was, that's the manager there, he's been there for like 20 years. That can't happen. 
Now, do you know what? <laughs> do you know what happens when you tell someone like Reverend Wiggins, you know, those prayer warriors, that can't happen? Well, I do. So we had our little, you know, time of prayer, and uh, I had it back uh, uh, home and so forth. I'm telling you, on, that was on a uh, Wednesday night. <laughs> I'm praying, and my boss calls me into his office on Friday morning. And he says, uh, Patrick, he says, uh, I was wondering something. And I said, what's that? He says, uh, would you be willing to move, you know, uh, and so forth your family if uh, I had something uh, different for you? I said, it depends. And he says, what's it depend on? Uh, I said, well, if it's now, I'd do it. But if it's somewhere down the road, I said, I'm tired of moving my family around, you know, and I, I'd like to get them settled, you know, in a place, and I feel pretty good about where we're at now. He says, so that's great. He says, uh, all right, I'm making you the new manager over at the Anderson office. And I just looked at him in shock. And you know what I said? This is what I said. Well, what happened to that guy? He's been there for over 20 years. He, and, you know, he wasn't a Christian man. You know what he said back? It doesn't matter what happened to him. He says, you're the new manager. And I said, well, when does that start? He goes, show up there on Monday. Wednesday night, folks. Friday morning. That's what I'm talking about. When God's part or whatever is happening, crazy things happen. And the devil tries to get us not to move forward by telling us people will think well, you're a failure or you're crazy. Or, or, and yet God gets us to believe that if we move forward in faith, that he will promote us into a position that will have greater influence than we, we or anyone else would have ever thought that we would have had. And you want to make a real impact with your life, then I would tell you, stop listening to the lies of Satan that cause you to fear. Fear moving forward. And start listening to the God that has led your life and walking in faith with him, watching the supernatural take over. Now, if you got nothing from this morning in terms of this message, I would ask you just to remember this thought. See, overcoming the fear of moving forward with God starts with having faith in God. But in what type of God? And a God who is always, always, always faithful to us. Church, you have a great past and a great present. Let's move forward in faith with God. And whatever he asks of us, whatever he challenges of us, take the faith and make that step. Will you? I hope you will. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for sharing with us today. I appreciate your faithfulness to share God's word. I do have a couple of things I'd like to share with you real quick just as we close. Uh, first of all, 
Um, I mentioned that there was a special offering. There were actually inserts in your bulletin. If you wanted to and you did not come prepared to give, there are actually pledge cards. You could use those. And uh, if you would, uh, if you choose to do that, if you would, there's offering plates that are always back there in the foyer. If you dropped one in there, that would help us just to know what was pledged. I also wanted to mention we have some books that have been put together for the 100-year celebration. Uh, Billy Faye Harvey worked incredibly hard to help put this together for us. Uh, and they will be distributed out in the foyer and at each of the exits for this building. And anyone who would like to grab one, we welcome that. We would love for you to pick one up. And uh, just gives a little bit of the history, some of the things that have taken place, identifies different pastors who served, uh, and identifies all the folks who really, honestly, this church is not here without these folks. And, and it's just a way to celebrate them and to say thanks. So please be sure you grab one of those. Um, the staff members will be the ones that are going to be distributing those, uh, which this gives me the opportunity just to say thanks to them. Uh, specifically, I'm going to start with Daly. Uh, Daly has worked incredibly hard to put all of the music stuff together for today, and I cannot say thank you enough to her. Uh, Derek Pulley is up in the sound uh, booth, and he and his wife Amy have worked very hard for this as well. Uh, Lee is our youth pastor, does an awesome job. Aaron is the children's pastor, and he is in the other building because we don't trust him in front of everybody else. Um, but uh, if you see him today, if you'd express your appreciation to him as well. And then, of course, Debbie, who is always working hard and such an incredible blessing to me. Uh, I cannot say thanks enough to the staff and, of course, my wife as well, as she uh, works harder than probably I ever do. So I'm very grateful for those folks. I also would like to invite every single individual who is here to join us for lunch. We have a meal that has uh, been prepared over in the Family Life Center, and we would love it if each of you would come. I know many of you have brought food. Some did not, but I want you to know we have enough regardless of whether or not you brought anything today. Uh, we would love to have you come. As a part of that, there is actually a video presentation that uh, Brother Vess has put together for us. Uh, that will be shown on the screen over there. There are also uh, tons of old stuff. And when I say old stuff, there are uh, photo albums that actually came from Marie Evett uh, many years ago, and they will be made available as well. We have uh, some of the documentation from the, the second Wesleyan church. One of the things that is on display out there is the original uh, minutes from the very first meeting held at the second Wesleyan church. Uh, and all that information is out there, and it would be great if you guys want to uh, just hang out and fellowship all afternoon. We would love to have you guys there for that. Um, I would like to close us in prayer, but as I do, I would also like to pray for the food. I'm going to ask when you go over there, children and youth, please hear this. I would rather have the senior adults at the front of the line. So let them eat. If you would, find one of the senior adults that maybe they can't carry their plates and go offer to help them. That would be a great way to be a blessing to them. Let's pray, and then uh, you guys will be free to go. Father, thank you for the privilege of gathering in your house today. We do celebrate the past. We celebrate 100 years of ministry. We celebrate the fact that you have been reaching people. You have been calling people. You have been doing things that we could not do ourselves. But by the grace of your Holy Spirit, by the fact that you have been here with us and working through us, Lord, we have seen great and mighty things. 
But we believe today that the best days of this church are not behind us. It is not today. It is every day moving forward. We believe that your spirit will continue to be poured out upon us. We pray that you would fill us and that you would use us. And I do truly pray that this community would be transformed by the presence of your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for the sacrifice of these people. Not only the pastors who we recognize, but the many people who have served alongside them over the years. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for continually being with them and guiding them and directing them. But Lord, I pray that, Lord, I pray that tomorrow would be even better. Lord, I pray that you would fill these people, that you would use them in such a mighty way that nobody could mistakenly take credit for it, but we would have to give credit to the King of kings and the Lord of lords who still is delivering people from the fire. Lord, I pray that your anointing would be upon us, each and every one of us. Lord, I pray now that as we partake in fellowship and food, that you would be honored. I pray that you would help us to uh, continually keep you in the center of every conversation. I pray that you'd bless the food that we eat. Thank you for all the many folks who have prepared food for us today. May you be honored as we celebrate together. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for being a part of our worship service this morning. Come join us for lunch if you can.